McDonald's don't tell you who they are. They show you. Hey, we're McDonald's. We have a clown named Ronald. Some fucking weirdo purple guy, Grimace. Some bird bitch. Hamburglar. The fried kids. The whole team. We show you who we are. We have establishments all over the globe. We list our product with the calories, the price. You can go there and have an experience at McDonald's. They don't tell you who they are. You know what I mean? They show you. They don't open up their, you know, accounting records and their trade secrets and their information and their recipes and just throw it around to everybody and tell them, this is how we cook our food. This is what we use. You know, like, well, I guess they divulge some of that information. Like, you know, they recently enough within the past, like, I don't know, 10 years or so, switched over to like vegetable oil when they're cooking their fries instead of like the beef stock that they were deep frying them in. So, I mean, some things are in the public domain, but generally speaking, they're not, you know, revealing the method to their madness, you know? You can't look behind the curtain. They're not going to reveal their trade secrets. They're not going to tell you their trade secrets. So, I hope that's a fitting analogy in that if McDonald's don't do it, then why would you do it? I mean, you've had a Big Mac in your life before, haven't you? So then you should see my point. If McDonald's doesn't go around telling people who they are, they just show them who they are with their business, shouldn't you do the same thing? If it's good enough for Ronald, it should be good enough for you. People are always marching up on one another and telling them who they are, and this is how you treat me, and this is who I am, and this is my personality. It's like, what if I don't care? And what if I'm looking at you like, oh, this person wears himself or herself on their sleeve. I see what's going on with you. You know? This is getting confusingly philosophical. But um, my point being, with the ego, it's so hard to, for myself make room for the other person's ego. There's always somebody trying to tell me who they are, show me who they are, bring me into their world. I'm so-and-so, this is my world, and you, you're just living in it. When it's like, hey, man, like I'm in my own world. Holding you tight till the night is through. My love, my love, my love, my love, not on waves and blue waves. Blue. I'm in love with you. Gotta tell me twice. You really take me there. Wanna touch your love? I wanna breathe in your hair. Be holding you tight. Good, 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 good. What's happening, folks? It's your old chuckle buddy. Cash girl. James and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 4th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Gonna be holding you tight till the night is through. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with the thought of being in love with you. Waves of blue. Don't have to ask me twice. I think my fucking next door neighbor's growing marijuana on his rooftop. You know, I've just been peeking out the window, peering out the window. I'm like, why is this ignoramus egghead moron always like thumbing around in that garden, Mr. Green Thumb? He's always sucking around, thumping around, thumbing around in that garden of his. You know, I'm like, what's this wackadoo doing? You know, Mr. fucking Betty Crocker. 
fucking Martha Stewart next door doing his little home improvement gardening, driving me nuts, you know? Like if you're a podcaster such as myself, yours truly here, Jonathan Ramcharan of JR the P fame, you know, it's a little distracting when you're trying to drop it like it's hot and you got some egghead ignoramus fucking flitting and fluttering about in the background, driving me nuts. I'm like, why is this fucking egghead always fucking around in that garden of his? Well, I'm taking a little peek this morning. Looks like the fucking crops have, um, you know, come home to roost. A little crop dusting, a little crop up, you know? Fucking degenerate. He's over there growing marijuana. I mean, it's legal in Canada. Have you heard? Then again, if you want to save a couple bucks, you might as well grow it yourself. Or maybe it's a tomato patch. Or a cabbage patch. Doll patch. Can't quite see it from here. Oh, hell, I don't know. I'm pretty innocent these days. Ever since I quit smoking that la-la-la and, you know, (coughs) you know, sober as a church mouse. Squeak. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcher and the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, belly, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. <coughs> Spying on the neighbors, getting to other people's business, calling the cops on these degenerate fucking drug dealing, drug growing, marijuana hustling drug mules. Send his ass back to Mexico. Well, he's a white boy. But, you know, same spirit. Dirty, filthy, degenerate. Go back to fucking Uruguay or fucking merry old England, you fucking pothead. Fucking egghead ignoramus thumbing around in that garden of yours. Driving me nuts. We talk about current events, entertainment, the times of the time. The whole wackadoo, folks. The whole... Uh, enchilada, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, you can't go wrong. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Vimeo, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, If you are digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know what truly is. Coffee break. Sip a coffee, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Get a little sip of coffee. Mmm... I say now, Mr. Balls, ever notice that a nice sip of coffee make you feel right as rain, Balls? Perk you right up early in the morning. <coughs> if you are a returning guest to JR the P, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, if maybe you surmised, I am an actor extraordinaire. That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. Something that I've been dealing with, you know, suffering through these past couple weeks as a thespian actor extraordinaire. Gosh, gall darn friggin' monkey scruff that I got scraggling across my face, you know? You know? Now, I don't want to shit the bed over it, but it's something that us actors have to suffer through from time to time. You know, when you're coming up with a role, if you want to look cute on a fucking talk show, you know, sit cross-legged. Oh, yes, well, um, when I first became um, enamored with the craft of acting. Um, I believe it was my sophomore year, yes. Um, well, um, they were doing a production of, um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and, you know, I thought, hey, I could play a tin roof, you know, stretch out on the dramaturge stage and enact the 
qualities and characteristics of a tin roof. So I got my showbiz start playing a tin roof on Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And there were women. Oh, the women. You know, these fucking dildos, you know, they try to get all cute and higher than mighty and hoity-toity and holier than thou. Sitting cross-legged, fuddling and fumbling with their beard, you know? You know? Driving me nuts. This goddamn muff... Sorry, God. This gall-darn monkey scruff that I got scrolling across my face, you know? But I'm suffering through it. In um, search of my craft, you know? Got a titillizing, titillating... um, I don't know, um, titty-fucking role coming up as an actor, thespian extraordinaire. Something hot and heavy. Something that I'm very excited for. That I've been planning and working my balls off on. So, if all goes well, I have a chance to execute some of my craft as an actor. Um, Looking for that emotional inner life of a character. And bringing it to the screen in this instance. Or stage or, you know, sidewalk if you're like a street performer or like a mime or something. And, um, you know, sidewalk, stage, street corner, screen, you know, the whole wackadoo, the whole enchilada, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. It's all the same damn thing when you're searching for that inner life of a character. It's really something, folks, I'm telling you, when you can, you know, strut them boards and deliver on those uh, qualities that an audience can identify as, as authentic and true to life, inspiring, and, uh, you know, I've been really... I've really been reawakened with my love of the craft and hungry to search and dig for more revelation and more growth. There's always more work to be done. You know how it is. You start building a house. Next thing you know, you need a mailbox. Then you need a doghouse. Then you need, you know, a garage. Then you need like, you know, a car partition. Then you need, you know, I don't know, a wishing well, you know, dig up a wishing well in the front yard. Then you need a koi pond. Then you need a, I don't know, some, you know, I don't know, like a, what do, you, what do they call that? Like a, like a, a safe house or like, what do they call it? Like a dungeon, you know, where you lock away the, you know, sex slaves that you order online. You know, there's all these little things that come into play when you're like remodeling a house, dungeon building and such. So like, much like an actor, the revelation <laughs> over years and time and progression you grow and um, that's what I'm reawakened with it was dormant for a bit it was like a sleeping giant you know and this whole COVID-19 thing has been my fucking Pearl Harbor you know where's Ben Affleck you know it's been my fucking Hiroshima you know it's been my Pearl Harbor this whole fucking COVID thing and it's reawakened a sleeping giant you know I'm even using chopsticks so there you have it folks Jonathan Ramchran actor extraordinaire yes quick sip of coffee coffee break again boss don't mind me boss Ever notice, boss, when you take a sip of coffee for the second time, second coffee break of a podcast, makes you feel just sure as sugar, boss. <clears throat> I'm also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. Um, busting it out, humping it out, splashing it out, spilling it out, slurping it out. Um, you know, then just really fucking banging my nuts against the wall. In the uh, pursuit of comedy 2021 type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. Live performance shut down everywhere. You know, these bedwetters, 
these fucking, you know, little fucking piss ants, these little fucking pipsqueaks, crying, bitching, bellyaching over little every little damn thing. Oh, he said fuck. Oh, he said this or Zay. He didn't respect my category and what I identify as. I want to sue him, kill him, hang him for telling a lousy joke, you know? Type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. Well, I've been dealing with it on a micro level, you know? Nobody gives a shit about me. But, um, still, I persist. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, what are they, what are they, you know, comics are like, uh, what? Or what are these? What is it? Comics are like herpes. They never go away. (laughs) I don't know if that's a joke or just like, you know, a truth of the industry. But it's like, you know, let these bitches bellyache and moan about it. I ain't going nowhere. You know, I'm stuck with it. You know, I didn't choose to be a stand-up comic. It chose me. You know, something goofy and stupid in me makes me aligned for this type of work. One thing I have been thinking about lately in due course and recognition as a stand-up comic, um, as I sort of alluded to in the opening of the program, you know, I am a recovering alcoholic. That's what you want to call me, you know. doesn't really matter. You can call me that if you want. Basically, I was spiritually turned away from God and living a empty life of base pleasures and um, pointless meandering. So that's the type of lifestyle I was living. And, um, you know, once I cleaned all that up, got right with God, you know, um, followed my spiritual um, inner life, I've been divorced from that. The need to get soused, drunk, blotto, blackout, you know? I'm sober. (laughs) And one thing that a lot of comics get afraid of, because a lot of comics do have drinking problems and drug problems and whatnot, you get a little scared that, well, you're not going to be funny. What happens when you sober it up? You know, where what happens to the funny? What happens to that madman or that mad woman that, you know, terrorizes a stage when they're, you know, three sheets to the wind, blotto, you know, fucking titty twisted. And, you know, I get that. I was afraid of that as well. There was a part of me that used to think like, oh, is... Is this really just... Well, first of all, when you've been drinking and you want to be in that bohemian lifestyle, you start to identify with, oh, yeah, I'm a rough and tumble, hard drinking fucking son of a gun, you know? And you look to all your heroes who live those kind of glamorous yet very reckless lifestyles and you try to emulate it. Because, I mean, who the hell really knows what they're doing in show business when you're first striking out, right? So, try to emulate what your heroes did. All my heroes did drugs. So, you know, I got in with the drinking, smoking marijuana, smoking cigarettes. And I became identified that way. I thought it was who I was. And I was really just lost. Turned away from God. Turned away from myself. Turned away from my fellow man. Then when I sobered my ass up, I was able to live a life of meaning and stability and accountability. Boring as shit, but I got a couple bucks in the pocket. Enough to pay the rent anyway. So, you do get a little nervous. Well, maybe I'm not that funny guy that I thought I was. That good-for-nothing clown that could, you know, rip a stage, rock a motherfucking mic. Okay. But the more I thought about it, I started to realize that, at least for myself, like any good gift, it's inherent, you know? That goofball, fucking gaggling goose, gopher, 
ganking, gag, gag, fucking gongdala, uh, I don't know, gobbly goop, fucking gotcha. Uh, nature that's in me, that willingness to just go out on a limb and make an ass of myself. And also to, you know, sit around and think about the rudiments of comedy and writing a joke, crafting a joke, stage performance, you know? I mean, even just remembering, remembering the script, the dialogue, the joke, the layout of it, delivering it in real time. Dealing with hecklers, you know? That's not a part of the show. I mean, who the hell dreamt of dealing with hecklers? You know what I mean? These are things that, you know, are inherent in me to some degree to do this type of work. And I'm finding that The hard point, the hard part, is not so much, oh, I'm afraid that, oh, the funny has left me. Or, oh, once you become sober, you can't be funny. It's the ego. I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in the podcast. But the idea of ego and coming to terms with your relationship with ego. Because it's a jousting match. I mean, class clown versus, you know, the principal. You know, protester versus the authority. You know, mime versus, uh, I don't know, screaming baby. am I supposed to be doing this miming shit all day? We've got a baby screaming in the background. You know? There's always a power struggle. And there's an ego within that. You know what I mean? And what I've found that now that I'm sober, I don't... Part of my sobriety and getting right with God and getting right with myself and my fellow man is not wanting to was being aware of that ego and not wanting to oppose upon others. And there's a certain confrontation that a lot of comics have, and that's really an inflamed ego. It's combative because, you know, you're standing out there alone and you can feel very vulnerable. It is very vulnerable. And, I mean... You step onto a stage saying you're funny, it can be very humiliating to bomb or to, you know, be less than. And that's where that ego creeps up. And that's where the defensiveness comes up. And, you know, that's what I'm seeing in relation to comedian and uh, sobriety. You know, it's not so much that the funny leaves a comic. You know what I mean? I mean, like I said, a gift is a gift. You know, if a comic is funny, then it's it's in them. It's in him. It's in her. But the relationship to the ego may change. You know? When you strip it all down and realize that, well, you know, I'm really nothing. And to run my yap and to get into constant conflict with people, it's like, damn, why did I pick that business? Or did it pick me? And why can't I leave it alone and go into something else? Well, if it keeps calling me, then maybe there's something there. You know, type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. But it's... You know, it's a very interesting topic, ego, and that's what I think 
a lot of comics deal with in general and especially with the sobriety because you know the funny never really leaves you it's the relationship to your new sense of ego at least for myself so there you have it folks Jonathan Ramcharan stand-up comedian extraordinaire yes Quick sip of coffee, boss. Don't mind me, boss. I ever notice when you take a sip of coffee third time in the morning, just makes you tooty as fruity. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Let's get into some news. Check it. I mean, my stance on COVID-19 you know, here we are like, come on, a year and a half, almost two years into this thing, September 4th, 2021. And like I've been saying from pretty much the beginning, your weekly, monthly, yearly, till these dumb motherfuckers see clearly, COVID-19 is a political weapon used to disrupt global economies and gain control for whatever nefarious reason. Bunch of mumbo jumbo, hogwash, hoop-de-doo. Now, I'm not saying it don't exist. <coughs> Yes, COVID-19, from what we know, exists. I'm saying it's hogwash and hoop de doo in the sensationalization of it, in the fear-mongering of it, in the control of it, in the politicization of it, you know? Politicization? Political, political size? Well, you fucking ignoramuses, eggheads, you know the word. Politicizing of it. Circumcising of it. You know, type of shit that makes you stick to your stomach. The information is all the same. 80% of people who contract COVID-19 can recover without any special type of treatment. It affects the elderly, the poor at health, and the morbidly obese. This is information that you can get on the WHO, World Health Organization, website. This dates back to the beginning of the pandemic, for the most part. Um... Conflicting narratives. Children must be vaccinated to enter school. They're pushing for all this vaccination of the youth, yet children are allegedly immune to it. Well, no, then they could become a carrier. But then again, anybody can become an asymptomatic carrier. And then again, it's going to turn into this thing that's basically going to be like a flu season, COVID-19, an annual flare-up. So, I mean, it's going to be here anyways, but you need to be vaccinated and certified with a Vaxport. Vaccine certification, vaccine passport. And uh, and by the way, um, you know, vaccination doesn't actually quite guarantee immunity. And by the way, you need to get a vaccination, then a second vaccination, then a booster vaccination. All in which to negate the vaccination because, well, you're not guaranteed immunity. So um, it's a bit of a roundabout carousel on a carousel from hell. Worst damn carousel ride of your life. Usually you go, yahoo, on a carousel. This one, you're, (coughs) my arm is sore and bleeding and ripped up open. What's with all these vaccinations? You know, you try to make funny out of hamburger. You know what I mean? Try to make some fucking laughs out of this shit type of shit that makes you stick to your stomach. You know? And, you know, there seems to be like no voice or reason. You know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm basically like a, hey, I have my health strategy. I have the health strategy that I'm using for my life. I take the responsibility in that. You are free to do as you please. Just don't impose on me. And I mean, come on, it's a year and a half into this thing. And if the world can open up the eyes and see that living in indefinite fear is not the way to go, and to be controlled every step of the way in your life is a total 
unconsciousable, unconsciousable thing that these ignoramuses are just like accepting. How do you like with good faith and conscious consciousness accept to be just ruled by fear indefinitely? And one very interesting aspect of fear is that a lot of people love to be in fear. It's exciting. And it's, um, you know, it reaffirms those who want to fail. What a great excuse. Well, blame it on the COVID. You know, my life would have been fantastic. You know, I was going after every dream, taking responsibility and accountability for myself. If it wasn't for COVID-19, I mean, yep, it was COVID-19 that fucked my life up. It wasn't me. Even though you never caught it and you're not susceptible to it and you bowed down and you fucking accepted the okie doke oh yeah vaccine passports yeah that makes sense people prying into my personal health affairs like the government yeah they should they should know that information i got the fucking mayor of toronto canada calling my house Hi, this is a message from John Tory's office. Uh, we would really appreciate, uh, you know, for people who are vaccinated. Some stupid dummy message. Like, they pretty much know that I'm not vaccinated somehow, and it's a roundabout message. You know? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. And it's not really worth getting into, and I kind of... First of all, I didn't really listen to the message. It was kind of like, Hey, that's John Tory calling from the moon. You let me be moon. Babbled on about some stupid shit and COVID-19 clinics and accessibility for people who need it. Message deleted. <laughs> and, you know, I like John Tory. I mean, enough. You know, he seems like a nice man. But people are just running amok with fear and It's unreasonable, unconsciousable, unconsciousnessable, you know? It's undoable for a person like me to just live in fear indefinitely. No one should. And, um, you know, it's pretty obvious at this point, it's just being politicized. And, uh, you know, these vaccine passports and certifications are just another step to encroach and to encroach upon your civil liberties. Peep this. This is an article from CV, ctvnews.ca. Doctors frustrated with selfishness of vaccinated people. Protesters. Hey. Don't cancel culture me on this one, but I'm starting to miss fake news. Okay. The China flu, Kung flu, all right, COVID-19, what you want to do is, you know, get plenty of sunlight, drink plenty of bleach, you're going to be okay. How's my hair? I'm starting to miss Mr. Fake News, Donald Trump, the Trumpster. Yo, this is fake news. Fake news. People are getting booted off of social media platforms for, you know, opposing the okie-doke narrative and the conflicting narrative of information around COVID-19. It's a swelling mix of information. There's nothing concrete or guaranteed. Yet, the voice of fear and control is clamping down on those who want to stand up and be free to decide for their own health measures. Then you got the fake news, on the other hand, that, you know, gets a free pass. Doctors frustrated with selfishness of unvaccinated people, protesters. What kind of fucking dummy, dipshit, fucking article title is that? What kind of a headline is that? Doctors frustrated with selfishness of unvaccinated people protesters what did they do like a 
case study? Did they pull every working doctor in the universe to find out their personal frustrations on the COVID-19 situation? There's a lot of doctors actually resigning their posts from the overreach of this COVID-19 protocol, this fear-mongering, this wet blanket, sissy-fied manner in which our society is being driven into for, like, control indefinitely. There's a lot of doctors who say the opposite. Are they the majority? I don't know. But that voice is out there. And this is an irresponsible article title. It's fake news, yet they get to exist on media platforms. While anybody just questioning the basis of things like, should we have vaccine passports? Should children be forced to be vaccinated to return to school? Should every employee be forced to be vaccinated in the workplace? Just raising these basic questions about our democracy can get you booted off of a social media platform, yet these dildo dummy ignoramuses can run amok with this type of um, Shakespearean eloquent um, article titles. Doctors frustrated with selfishness of unvaccinated people, protesters. There is absolutely no truth in that. Again, did they poll every fucking doctor in the universe to unanimously to unanimously agree that they're frustrated? No, they didn't. They're just saying this dickhead shit, all right? It's fake news. This is an article from ctvnews.ca. Yes. And you can see plenty of these things in the news cycle. It's fake news. Just made up opinion to control us. Some doctors and nurses are frustrated with large groups of anti-vaccination protesters outside hospitals and cities across the country and say limited healthcare resources are being used to save the lives of those who decided not to protect themselves against COVID-19. Okay, so if people are lining up outside of a hospital to block an ambulance... Halt in the name of COVID-19 freedom. That's kind of stupid. You know, they got a point to that. Like they don't want people protesting at a hospital. I get that. See, like I'm not completely unreasonable. You know, I just want some reasonable, reasonable rationality in this whole situation. You know, I can extend an olive branch as long as you're wearing a double mask and a fucking glove to hand it over to you and then you in turn wear a hazmat suit to hand me your olive branch (laughs) have an olive you know we can extend olive branches as long as you stay the fuck out of my life dr stephen fetter who works in the emergency room of a hospital in richmond bc said he has run out of patience for people who whose stance against vaccines has larger social implications. I think it's the ultimate selfishness that individuals choose not to vaccinate themselves. I think that they don't realize they are too arrogant to understand that we live in a society where we all have to make sacrifices, he said. Isn't that ironic? I'm too ignorant and arrogant to understand that we live in a society where we all have to make sacrifices. Yeah, I'm arrogant in my opinion that I should make a sacrifice for society, yet he is completely um, altruistic and um, open-minded in his condemnation of me for my arrogance. What a double-edged, two-sided, juxtaposed clusterfuck. These dummy dildo ignoramuses have no accountability for their own stupidity. Yet, yet I should be accountable to mine? Fucking dildo. Dr. Dildo of Dildo Institute. I'm telling you, folks, type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. It's time that more employers, including all levels of governments, started mandating vaccines to send a strong message to those ignoring the science behind vaccination, Fetter said. 
Petter said. Dr. Petter. Dr. Fetter said. Adding the potential of losing a job may be the jolt people need to get immunized. Yeah. Wipe out my um, financial fabric just because I have a differing opinion than you. In these conflicting um, times and conflicting, not even conflicting, but just various outlooks and opinions on the information. I mean, again, information on the WHO website. Go visit it. 80% of people who contract COVID-19 can recover without any special type of treatment. It affects the elderly, the poor at health, and the overly obese. Such things as herd immunity will eventually occur. The COVID-19 strain and the variant strains are projected to become annual occurrences. You know, a COVID-19 season. Something as common as the common flu or cold. Many people are getting vaccinated. That will add to the safety of society in general and the herd immunity. Apparently, children are um, immune for the most part. What is the crisis? Doesn't it work the same way as any disease? It attacks people that are poor at health, which is unfortunate. We cannot live in an indefinite state of fear. We cannot control the inevitable. And if you are an elderly person, God bless you. You've made it very far in your life. It's time to regain that resiliency and that gumption. You know, that bootstrap mentality, old buckaroo, that got you to where the fuck you are in life today and carry it forward. Carry that weight. You know, when I'm, my old ass is up in them golden years, I ain't going to be laying around crying like a sissy. Oh, my God. Ah. These, these people are going out and doing things with their lives that are affecting my retirement. Eh. I'm not going to care one bit what anybody does. Even to this day, I don't. You know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, you know, tomato, tomato, do whatever the hell you want. Leave me out of it. That's all I ask. And if you're morbidly obese, you know, God bless you. This is a wake-up call for you to control. Well, I mean, who's in control of anything? But this is a wake-up call for you to gain some insight into your health and what you need to do. You know, like, if you're living unhealthy and, you know, a situation like this occurs... It's a wake-up call to perhaps take your health a little bit more seriously. Not to lock down a globe and halt the natural order of life. You know? I want to go to Starbucks again. Even though it's a little dangerous for a black man like myself, you know? I want to go to Starbucks and use the bathroom again. (laughs) You know? I want to play hopscotch at schoolyards. No, I don't. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's one of them things where, come on, we have to have some rationality. And it's all politicized and people who love to have an excuse and live in fear, this is an opportunity. Blame it on the COVID. Let's live indefinitely under these government subsidies. And, you know, let's collect a COVID check and never go back to work. And let's never do anything. That is completely unconsciousable. Patients suffering from other serious illnesses are affected when the healthcare system starts to grind to a halt. From the never unvaccinated from the number of unvaccinated patients being hospitalized and occupying intensive care beds, Fetter said. Nothing people with chronic conditions often avoid going to... What? Noting people with chronic conditions often avoid going to emergency departments when cases spike, 
sometimes worsening their health. For the staff, it's exhausting. It's challenging when you have somebody come in who is there when there was a simple route to preventing what they came in with, a COVID infection. Our job is to be a professional and not to be judgmental, even though they're judging us. But it's very trying for nurses and doctors and all the other healthcare professionals to look at decisions, to look at somebody who made a conscious decision not to get vaccinated. Anti-vaccination sentiments have intensified since some provinces, here in Canada, I add, anti-vaccination sentiments have intensified since some provinces announced plans to require so-called vaccination passports to access places like restaurants, movie theaters, and gyms. Quebec and Ontario began their program this week, and British Columbia residents will be expected to provide proof of vaccination in the coming weeks. Over a dozen hospitals in Ontario have issued vaccine mandates for healthcare professionals. British Columbia's professional health officer, Dr. Blah, 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 has been and bloody deed and yada, yada, yada. This is pretty much just an opinion piece. This is a piece from ctvnews.ca. Um, yeah, it's like fake news. You know, healthcare professionals are fed up. Uh, blah, blah, do, doubly, dumb, diddly, do. It's just like a campaign to get people vaccinated, in line, in control. What do you think about it? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Like, come on. We're crouching in. We're encroaching. We're encroaching upon two years of this thing. You know, I mean, they conflate and fudge numbers. They sensationalize. They blah, 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 because they want us in line. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. And again, this article that I read, it's kind of a fluff piece. It's like fake news. But, um... It's from ctvnews.ca, entitled, Doctors Frustrated with Selfishness of Unvaccinated People Protesters. That's the title of it, from ctvnews.ca. If you should want to read further on it, I was like a paragraph or two away from finishing it, but I'm like, whatever, fuck it, it's fake news. I mean, it's in the title. It's in the title. Doctors frustrated with selfishness of unvaccinated people, protesters. Where did they get those statistics? Did they follow the science on that one? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Okie dokie. Coffee break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Isn't it funny how you get real hoarse in the throat after drinking coffee? <clears throat> you know, you think you wouldn't get all phlegmed up or you think your voice would get better from drinking coffee, but sometimes it don't. A little sip of water, too. Chase that back with some water. <sighs> yeah. As I mentioned, um, ego. Yeah, as I alluded to earlier in the program, ego. Ego is, it's a mother. (laughs) So I recently started my own production company, Noi Productions. Noi Productions. It's a way for me to, you know, continue my stand-up comedy, acting career, venture into other veins of entertainment, various other podcasts, documentary, feature film, the whole wackadoo, the whole enchilada, the whole kit and caboodle, folks. Noi Productions. And, you know, in the course of doing that, I've been putting on different hats, you know. Takes money to make money. Gotta make a little scratch in order to feed the beast, to appease the gods. 
So I've recently begun working at a factory. And um, it's actually quite a decent gig for what it is. And there's a lot of benefit and utility to the job. And I take that money that I earn, you know, it's a uh, office furniture factory. I take the money I earn from working there and I put it into my upkeep and the furtherment of my production company, Noi Productions. I came up against a lot of ego in business this week, myself. As I alluded to, comedians sometimes, you know, when they get sober or when, I don't know, if they, whenever they're making a change that seems uncool, you know, let's say a comic gets sober or becomes a family man or woman, there might be a, a feeling of loss for that edge. You know, that youthful protest, that one-man army, one voice in the wind, like screaming from the rooftops, you know, this is me. You know, there's a confrontation of ego. And what I'm finding so true in myself is that the hard part is not quite putting down my own ego. I mean, this is Jonathan Ramtran, JR the P. Go back to episode one. You know, there ain't no gimmick here. Like, I'm a man who has been performing for many a year. And I still have a road ahead of me. I haven't made it in my estimation as of yet. A lot of blessings, a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity, a lot of fun. You know, this is like the juicy phase. You know, there's a lot of good things going on for me. But I haven't landed yet. Right? And I admit that openly. And I don't feel any way about it. You know, it's the kick of the cat. It's the realities of life. You got to struggle, grind, bump, hump, you know, bang it out. I ain't complaining. And you would think that would be hard to stomach to the ego to admit that you aren't perfect and you aren't exactly where you want to be. You know? Because as a comic, you need to control on stage the situation. Well, one way of being out of control is, oh, he's an amateur. He's a nobody. He's a nothing. I never heard of him. Jonathan Rama who? Who is that guy? He's a nobody. Well, that's a bit of a loss of control. You think that would be damaging. But not really. What I've noticed for myself anyway, the hard part isn't putting down my ego. It's making room for the accommodation, the unjudging acceptance of the other person's ego. It just creeps up. There's a book by Dale Carnegie great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And in that book, he speaks on many things in the, in the realm of business communication and communication in general. And one thing he touched on is, generally speaking, most people, to a greater or less degree, and it's nothing harmful or malicious, but most people consider themselves smarter than the other person. That's basically true, is it not? Most people pro-rate, pro-rate a situation in their favor. Yeah, I'm the smartest person here. I'm the right person here. I'm right, you're wrong, of course. 
No, my opinion is boss. My opinion is king. No, it's me. It's me. It's, it's my word and what I say. You're just some stupid idiot. It's my world. You're just living in it. You ever notice that? It is astounding when you like stop and listen and look at what's going on and how people communicate. It's people just walking up upon one another, telling them who they are, telling them who they are, telling them who I are. This is who I are. This is who I am. This is who I is. I am who I am and I is who I is. You know, I'm Popeye. Olive. I'm strong to the finish because I eat me spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I is who I is. You know, people just walking up. I am who I am. I is who I is. Telling you who they are. That's the surefire sign of an ignoramus. That they're going to tell you who they are. I'd rather show people who I am. Like imagine this podcast if I just got on here and I said, I'm Jonathan Ramcharan. Stand-up comic, actor. Take my word for it. Subscribe. Did you hear that? That's a jet. Air show. Whoa! Or maybe it's a bombing. Duck and cover. Times we live in. Wow, it was a jet. Or something. Maybe it was Superman. But, um... Or superwoman. Forgive my mansplaining, but um, <laughs> you know, I'd rather show you who I am. It's back. This thing's like doing donuts. <laughs> Pretty sure this will pick up on the camera. It's like setting off alarm cars. A jet like set off a a jet that just flew by set off a couple of car alarms but anyways I'd rather show you who I am versus tell you who I am but that's like the MO the method of operation most people tell you who they are their ego they just like march up on each other one another and they just run their mouth and it's like against common sense because it's like I mean any business they have their trade secrets. McDonald's don't tell you who they are. They show you. Hey, we're McDonald's. We have a clown named Ronald. Some fucking weirdo purple guy, Grimace. Some bird bitch. Hamburglar. The fried kids. The whole team. We show you who we are. We have establishments all over the globe. We list our product with the calories, the price. You can go there and have an experience at McDonald's. They don't tell you who they are. You know what I mean? They show you. They don't open up their, you know, accounting records and their trade secrets and their information and their recipes and just throw it around to everybody and tell them, this is how we cook our food. This is what we use. You know, like, well, I guess they divulge some of that information. Like, you know, they recently enough within the past, like, I don't know, 10 years or so, switched over to like vegetable oil when they're cooking their fries instead of like the beef stock that they were deep frying them in. So, I mean, some things are in the public domain, but generally speaking, they're not, you know, revealing the method to their madness, you know? You can't look behind the curtain. They're not going to reveal their trade secrets. They're not going to tell you their trade secrets. So, I hope that's a fitting analogy in that If McDonald's don't do it, then why would you do it? I mean, you've had a Big Mac in your life before, haven't you? So then you should see my point. If McDonald's doesn't go around telling people who they are, they just show them who they are with their business, shouldn't you do the same thing? If it's good enough for Ronald, it should be good enough for you. 
People are always marching up on one another and telling them who they are. And this is how you treat me. And this is who I am. And this is my personality. It's like, what if I don't care? And what if I'm looking at you like, oh, this person wears himself or herself on their sleeve. I see what's going on with you. You know? This is getting confusingly philosophical. But um, my point being, with the ego, it's so hard to, for myself, make room for the other person's ego. There's always somebody trying to tell me who they are, show me who they are, bring me into their world. I'm so-and-so, this is my world, and you... You're just living in it. When it's like, hey, man, like I'm in my own world. Like I'm not going out into the world trying to tell people who I am. Respect me as a comic. Respect me as an actor. Respect me as a production company. Respect me as a factory worker. I'm not going around telling people who I am and how they need to treat me. I'm just minding my own business. Yet there's like an influx of people whether it's in the workplace whether it's whether it's at the dollarama somebody standing a certain way taking up more than needed space in a lineup because there's somebody i stand this way in the world so what if i could you know slightly move a little bit to the side allowing other people to get by so what i'm somebody and this is how I stand in a lineup at the grocery store, blocking traffic. Yeah, walk around me. I'm somebody at the grocery store. Somebody. Somebody telling you who they are. Versus, why don't you show me? If you're so magnificent, shouldn't you have something to show for it? A business? A loving, beautiful, intact family? Friends? You know, skills, money, something, rather than your ego. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. So that's like been my takeaway this week. Because, you know, I found that, you know, the hard part for me is not putting down my ego and well, that actually is, in a sense, because I don't need to stroke my ego in that I'm somebody, but I do crave and I almost need. I have an impatience when people impose upon me, and that comes from my own ego, because I'm Jonathan Ramcharan. Who are you to impose upon me? That's, an, that's egotistical in a way because I'm judging people and I'm impatient with people, whereas I should have the humility and the sense of love for my fellow man that, okay, I get it. They're swept up the way they're swept up. They need a little bit more attention. They need a little bit more understanding. I have to be accommodating. Isn't it true that I wish people were more accommodating and understanding and patient with me? So I have to give them that space, even though it is a complete imposition. That's the hard thing for me. I don't need to be fanned and stroked and jerked by my ego. But I do lose my patience when people impose upon me which they're most certainly going to do, to reference again the Dale Carnegie book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, How to Win Friends and Influence People or Others. <clears throat> most people generally think that they're the king of their own castle. You know, they're smarter than the next man. It's their world. We're just living in it. And there's always this posturing, it seems, whether it be in business, friendship, relationship, family, <clears throat> there's that con confrontation with the ego 
So I found myself in a couple situations like that this week in my business endeavors. And I had to step back and go, oh, I'm getting bent out of shape and frustrated because my ego is operating above me. You know, that's the tricky part. You can get lost in thinking, at least myself, I get lost in thinking I'm pretty humble because I don't need to be respected by others. Yet I almost definitely need to be left alone. I'm judgmental. I'm impatient. I'm impatient. If somebody's doing something stupid and imposing upon me, I get judgmental and impatient. And to be alleviated from that pain and discomfort is to have patience, love, and understanding for my fellow man in that I too wish people had patience and understanding for me. It's nothing impersonal. It's nothing personal, rather. Nothing personal. And if they impose upon me, it's because they can't help themselves and they can't see it. And there's going to be times when I do the same. And sometimes you just want to slap the shit out of their fucking... uh... (laughs) Sometimes you want to just give them a big bear hug and call it quits on the ego tripping. But um, not always easy. So that's my revelation this week. I need to, um, you know, have more patience and be less judgmental of others when they impose upon me because it's a battle of egos out there in this world. And I've come a long way, but I still resent, I still have impatience and anger, and I need to get rid of that because there's no peace in it. And it can creep up on you and play games with you and bend you and twist you like a pretzel. And um, I want to be free of that. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 4th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Vaccination, do's and don'ts, a bibbly boo, a bubbly buh, whatever. Um, you know, ego in business, in life, in living. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Vimeo, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. I. Peace.